0: one thing that I love about fall, the big thing I love about fall is literally like everything about fall. Uh, seriously, I love the cool temperatures. I love n- just, just slightly cooler. I just want to clarify. Slightly, just slightly cooler. I love the fall colors. I love the fall sports. Uh, I love the new rhythms of school. I'm not in school. I kind of love that. But I love that people start school. And um, I love to see all the different things that change. And I Love that we can still do things outside. So that's like my big thing. My little thing that I love, actually, is school pictures. No, none of you school pi- Like school pictures are just so, I love, I don't get them. I mean, I kind of want to. I thought about being a teacher just so I could have school pictures every year. But, you know, the big 8x10s that you can see where it's like, oh, that person didn't cover up theirs. Or the little one that you can pass out to people. I know there's some picture portrait uh, anxiety that happens, you know, in school about the package? Like, do I get A because I really want the big pictures? Or do I get C so I can have a little bit of the big and a little bit of the small? Or do I get it's D or E or something? And, you, you know, a thousands of wallets that you can pass out to people? I mean, I remember kind of freaking out about some of those things. Not that I freak out now about them. But I want to ask you a portrait picture question. Like, what if, and I mean this metaphorically, what if you could have a portrait picture package of Jesus? Would you get the picture package A so you could have this big 8 by 10 of him so you could see all the details of him, not just physically, but, but relationally and theologically? Or do you want a package D or E so you could have all these wallets to pass out Jesus to all your friends? Or are you still thinking? Well, wait, wait, wait. In school, it's the same picture. (laughs) Like it's just a lot of reproductions of the same one. So I'm not really getting a different picture. I'm just getting a different size. So maybe the better question is, what size is your picture of Jesus? I can see pocket size. Can fit them. Take them maybe. Or see more of a life size, about as tall as you, about as wide as you, or is he a bigger than life size, like mural size? I don't know if anyone's been downtown. In the last couple weeks, Goldman Sachs painted one of the buildings they had. They commissioned a a painter from Brazil to paint this 60-foot tall by 150 foot wide section of a wall with Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's hometown, I believe, is Hibbing, Minnesota. And this artist, they wanted to kind of give some cultural development to this part of the city. And so what they did was they commissioned this guy, Eduardo Cobra, to make this his signature kind of geometric, kaleidoscopic way that he does things. And and so he envisioned these three pictures of Bob Dylan in black and white, kind of pensive images of him to kind of capture who he is. And he gave two young ones and then one older one to kind of demonstrate the longevity of this artist. And then you'll see like a guitar in there and some of, again, the colors that he would have had, one of the slogans or one of the lyrics from his songs. And they wanted this to be shown to everyone. Given this, here's here's Bob Dylan when he was young, here's Bob Dylan when he was older. You can even see some of the wrinkles in his face, his signature white hat. And I tell you, I didn't listen to a lot of Bob Dylan's music. I haven't listened to a lot of Bob Dylan's music. But as I look at these pictures of this wall mural, I have a better understanding of who Bob Dylan is. The picture of him is now, dare I say, Geometrically kaleidoscopic in its size, vibrant, huge. I wonder if we could have that kind of a picture of Jesus. How tall is your image of Jesus? How wide is your image of Jesus? What colors and spectrums is it stretched to? How does it fill your mind and baffle your mind? Do you have things that you know that you don't know about Jesus? Some preconceptions, if you will. Some things that you assume you know, but maybe you're not quite sure. Well, I think this morning, and this whole point of this series called Mornings with Jesus, is really to look at how Jesus personally engaged all different kinds of people no matter where they were at, and then invited them to know him further. And I think as we go through this series, our picture of Jesus, my prayer at least, is that it will get kaleidoscopic, wall mural, bigger than life, that it would change us. And so we're going to start in the book of John, but before we do, here's a little video kind of just checking out how people's understanding of Jesus is because maybe you're feeling like I don't know I don't know if my picture of Jesus is quite kaleidoscopic I may be feeling a little bit of Jesus guilt right now and I don't want you to feel Jesus guilt so here's an oldie but a goodie former talk show host Jay Leno you know goes out on the street to ask people about the Bible and Jesus take a look what were Jesus's parents names uh Mary and Joseph oh, very good very yes very good. I got that very, one. very good and approximately, how many years ago did he live? Oh, gosh. 250 million years ago. Okay, how many wise men were there? Um, 12. <laughs> right, what did they bring Jesus' as gifts? They brought him some wine. Who found the burning bush? Uh, Nixon? What happened in the fight between David and Goliath? The story. What we happened? got in a fight with rocks. Who won? Goliath. Who was swallowed by the whale? Okay, now I'm on the spot. Um, Joe DiMaggio? Cain and? Abel. That's right. who were they? Uh, sitcom. The Old Testament was originally written in what language? Um, isn't it Old English? Old English. Or Latin or something. Old English script. How many apostles were there? Forty. Um, On the night he was betrayed, Jesus sat with his apostles to eat and drink. The check was enormous. So maybe you feel a little better about yourself now, like I know a little bit more than those people do, but this morning I would like, I think God is calling us to take whatever pocket-sized picture or partial knowledge or maybe a preconception of Jesus that we might have and offer it to him and see if he won't expand that picture and, dare I say, exceed the expectations that we have for him. We see it happen in the book of John. We see it happen right here in chapter 1. So would you take a look with me as we go to God's word. Let me pray for us for a moment. God, I'm thankful for a new season, and I pray that you would speak through your word, by your spirit and your power, to help us to hear and help us to listen in a way that changes us. Amen. We're starting in verse 29 of chapter 1, and it says that the next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said that a man was coming after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to the people of Israel. John gave this testimony. See, I saw the Spirit descend on him from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And he, the Spirit, told me that he will be the one that will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, sorry, let me say that again, as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on you, he will be the one to baptize with the Holy Spirit. For I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. Let's pause for a minute right there. And imagine if you didn't have any understanding of who Jesus was at all, what kind of a picture would you now start to have of Jesus? Based on what John has said, this John the Baptist guy. Well, first, he says what he says. Look, the Lamb of God. Now, this this title isn't really used much. In fact, it's really only used here. There's a there's a Passover Lamb that is talked about in the Old Testament. There's Lamb sacrificed one every morning and one every evening for the people for their sins. This is kind of this idea of what um, the Bible people call atonement, this idea of this innocent for guilty, and so John is probably correlating some kind of a image of sacrifice and uh, and innocence for guilt here, and he says this is the one that will take away the sins of the world, not just the sins of the people of Israel, but the sins of the world, and when John uses world, it usually means the people that oppose God. So, his disciples would have perked up. This image, all of a sudden, probably would have shattered any preconceptions they have or at least start to put a crack in them. So, first, he says, the Lamb of God. He continues, though, and expands this picture, too. Jesus is just another rabbi that comes along, just another teacher. No, John says, this person is bigger than me. He's greater than me. He has gone above me because he came before me, even though he, on earth, came after me. So somehow, John's picture of Jesus has now gotten even larger and more expansive. The picture of Jesus that John would have as well would have something to do with the Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came down and rested on someone, they got amazing strength, or they got amazing wisdom, or they got some supernatural ability to help God or help his people. And the Spirit often stayed for a while there, but then would leave. Even the King David prayed, God, do not let your Holy Spirit leave me, depart from me. And all of a sudden, John sees this picture of Jesus, and he's like, Whoa! The Holy Spirit came down on him and stayed with him, remained with him. In the the Greek, it might use the word abide or remain or stay. They all mean the same thing. It dwelt there with Jesus, not it, him, because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit stayed with him. Do you see the picture of Jesus that John is having here? The Lamb of God, the one that's greater than me, the one that has the Holy Spirit, the one that baptizes or pours out the Holy Spirit on others, this person who's a chosen one of God. This would be a reference to Isaiah, the prophet, chapter 42, where he says, you know, the people of God as a nation have not been following God, but I will send one to represent the nation and for that person to represent me before the people. He will do what I have asked him to do. And John says, this person, Jesus, is that person. This is the picture I think that John has of Jesus. Pretty big, wouldn't you agree? Pretty detailed. So, if we were to describe who John is, what kind of a person might John be? Might be a prophet. Might be a rabbi. Rabbi is just a Jewish word for teacher. So, and he's explaining to other people who Jesus is. So I would I would say that we could call Je- we could call John a teacher. He's telling others about Jesus. And there's yet there's this challenge to this teacher. This challenge that we don't see directly here. We see it kind of implicitly here but we'll see it directly in John chapter 3 where John says that Jesus must become greater and I must become less or lesser. This challenge, in, in fact, we, we see it implicitly here when John says that I myself did not know him but the reason I came was to reveal him. See, John had a picture of Jesus, but all of a sudden he realizes that his picture is incomplete. Even though he's got a lot of details, there's not quite enough details. I think the challenge or the way that Jesus engages him is, as a teacher, will he keep learning? And what does John do as a result of personally meeting Jesus and understanding more of who he is. Because every time Jesus meets someone, something seems to be different afterwards. Well, we'll read it in the next thing, but he says, look, there's Jesus, and two of his disciples leave to follow him, and he goes, that's fine. The, The result of John the Baptist understanding more of who Jesus is, is that he tells other people about Jesus. Now, I want us to just pause for a moment and think about a teacher, this teacher. How about you as a teacher, me as a teacher, us as teachers? In what ways do we have pretty detailed pictures of Jesus? Know some of you pretty well. I know you're. I've talked to you about Jesus before. You have a lot of great details about Jesus. Good details about Jesus. That's great. So if you have some of these teacher qualities, maybe some questions would be: How do you share those details about Jesus with others? And how is Jesus becoming greater in your life? And maybe how are you taking a little bit more of the background? Just ask the Holy Spirit those questions today, tomorrow, as we continue. How is Jesus becoming greater in your life? If you can relate to the teacher, I think these are the things that the Spirit might be saying to us about how we can engage with God in the midst of this. But that's not the only type of person there is. This next section continues that the next day, John was there, again, John the Baptist, was there with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when his two disciples heard him say this, they turned and followed Jesus. So Jesus turned around. He saw them following, and he said, What do you want? Or, What do you seek? And they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where do you dwell? Where do you rest? Remember that comment about the Spirit staying and resting on Jesus? That's now what these disciples want to know. Where do you rest? Where do you hang your hat? Where do you lay your heart? And he says, Come and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who was one of the two who heard John say this when he said, when he had started following Jesus, the first thing he did, so before he went and hung out with Jesus for the afternoon and probably some of the evening, was that he went and found his brother Simon and said, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon and he said, Simon, you are Simon, son of John, you will be Cephas which means Peter. So if we look at this little part of this encounter, these encounters with these people, what kind of a picture do these people have of Jesus? This Andrew guy. Peter, we'll see in a moment, Philip. Would they know the Lamb of God? Well, John told them, so they'd, they'd know what their teacher told them. Disciple is like a student, right? So they have this picture of Jesus being the Lamb of God. They have this other picture of Jesus. Since they call him rabbi, they must have a picture of him as a teacher. But beyond that, we really don't know what they know. It's sort of a mysterious picture, if you will. Like, are they thinking that J- Jesus is just a little bit better teacher then John. So let's go to that teacher because he's great. They're seeking something. Jesus, Rabbi, where do you stay? Where do you rest? We want to get to know you. There's something about you that we don't quite understand. And he says, come. And you'll see that's how he engages them. Come, check me out. Investigate my teachings investigate my walkings, my behaviors. And they do. The first thing that one of these students does, because I would call these people students, they're ones who seek, is they go and find someone else to bring to Jesus. Someone they care about, someone they work with. And that person, Peter, discovers a Jesus, a picture of Jesus that isn't just a teacher. Right? Because Jesus sees him, they've never met before, and Jesus sees him and knows his name, knows who he is, and actually knows who he will be. Wouldn't that be amazing? Have you ever had people in your life that don't just know you, they know who you will be? Maybe you've had a teacher or a coach that's spoken into your life before when you were like this and all of a sudden, and I don't just mean physically. I mean relationally or mentally or m- in some kind of maturing way, and they see something in you and they start to call it out. No, I see this in you. I see this in you. Rob, I see this leadership quality in you and you need to, I'm gonna help you. Pluck that out, pull that out, draw that out. No, 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 I can't lead. On. I just don't owe anyone. I'm not, I'm, I don't have any self. Yeah. Jesus is that type of person. Peter didn't have that picture of Jesus. Andrew didn't have that picture of Jesus. I don't think John had that picture of Jesus, but in this engagement, in the way that Jesus personally meets Peter, and Peter understands more of who he is, he is not just one who knows me, but knows who I will be. That is the picture that we're starting to get of Jesus. Philip is this next person, but they're all students they all don't have very much information and Jesus still meets them where they're at and engages with them. He asks Philip to follow him. I thought about this for a while. Like, oh yeah, follow Jesus. I talk about following Jesus all the time. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What picture do you get in your mind when I say follow Jesus? Is it one who like looks down at his feet and goes, or is it one who studies not just where he walks, but what he does and what he says? I Maybe mean, to follow Jesus means to go in the direction that Jesus goes. So how are you like a student? How am I like a student? How are we like students? Do we readily admit that we have more to learn about Jesus? That our picture, maybe it's not pocket-sized, but it's certainly not geometrically, kaleidoscopically huge. That we seek him. That we see where he's going and we go where he's going. How might the Holy Spirit be speaking to you about what it means to be a student of Jesus? Jesus. Andrew willingly goes, Peter is brought, we'll see Philip, who's just called, and then we'll see another. But each of these people are all kinds of little different kinds of people, and very different from John the Baptist. Most of them are fishermen that we just talked about. Jesus has no problem hanging out with fishermen. All the people we meet here are very different. And if you're wondering, like, well, I don't know much about Jesus. Can I really come and see? Can I come and see where he stays? Can I see how he lives? I'd say yes. You can. Jesus wants to personally meet you and have you understand more of who he is. Even if you feel like you know a lot of who he is. And the result of these students meeting Jesus is that they have these aha moments, these amazement moments. The picture of Jesus gets bigger based on their responses when they go and find people, which that's the other thing that students do. They go find someone else to bring to Jesus. They don't have the answers. Philip even will say in the next section, like, I don't know, but come and see for yourself. And if you've thought about bringing someone or introducing someone to Jesus and you say, well, I don't have any of the answers, you don't need to have the answers. You can bring someone to Jesus and have them look at who Jesus is too. Because we see in this that these students, in their responses, get a bigger picture. Andrew is the one who say, we've found the Messiah. Messiah hasn't come up as a term yet, this one who's a savior. And when Philip comes, he says, we have found the one that Moses talked about. The picture gets bigger based on these students' responses. Let's look at the last section. Verse 43 says that the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He finds Philip and he says, Come, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, of whom the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip says, come and see. Come and see. I don't know. I don't know if anything good can come from it. You certainly don't think so because you have this passive-aggressive way of saying it. (laughs) Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than this. He said, Very truly, I tell you, you all, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We'll come back to that part, but what kind of a picture does Nathaniel have of Jesus? Nathaniel doesn't quite fit into this student category. His picture, I would say, is skeptical. Can anything good come from there? But I, I might even say that, that Nathaniel could be described as a cynic. But Jesus says there's no deceit in him. Like, he would be honest and truthful. So my picture is actually cynical of the person that I think is cynical. Maybe Nathaniel is just someone who's not easily persuaded unless there's compelling evidence. That's kind of good. Maybe that Nathaniel is someone who's not easily persuaded unless there's compelling evidence. How are you like a cynic or a skeptic? How am I like a skeptic? How are we like skeptics? Do we need compelling evidence? I do. Someone will give me some new information, some new thing, and I'll be like, show me the research. I need to know. I'm not going to buy in. oh, you saw it on Oprah? Oh, that makes it totally okay. Uh, You saw it on Dr. Phil? Even better. I need compelling evidence. Jesus doesn't seem to have a problem with that. If you're someone who would say, I'm skeptic, I have a hard time believing that you're anything Jesus, he would say, okay, come and see. I knew you before you even knew yourself, let alone you knew me. I saw you before you saw me. This is the picture we're getting. And there's astonishment in Nathaniel's voice. Whoa, like, Messiah? We've heard, Rabbi, we've heard that before. Son of God, we've sort of heard that. And now we hear King of Israel, definitely this huge Savior title. And now this picture of Jesus has just been expanded because a teacher came and engaged with Jesus, because students have encountered Jesus, and because a skeptic, has encountered Jesus. They personally met him. They understood more of who he is. And each one had aha moments. Maybe this fall, you're someone who needs an aha moment. I'm someone who needs an aha moment every once in a while, too. And I think Jesus is saying that it's okay. In fact, he says, do you want to know? You're going to see greater things than this. Much greater things than this. In fact, I think it's okay to ask God, I want to see greater things in my life. I want to see greater things in my relationships. I want to th- see greater things in my work or in my, in my school or in my activities. And I think Jesus is saying, okay, what are those things? Do you believe that I can, that I can engage with you about those things? What greater things... You need to see? And are you willing to move past the preconceptions, the pictures, the sketches, the pocket sized things that you thought you knew about Jesus and actually investigate him? It's okay to be a skeptic, but just go look at the compelling evidence. It's okay to have doubts, but where do you go with your doubts? You can come every week of this series. You can listen online if you can't make it. I encourage you to see how Jesus engages with all these different types of people. And I I, I promise you, you will be changed. You can start... Um, sign up for a group. we got some new groups starting. Uh, Some of them are listed in the back. You can also come back the next week and the next week because we've got a couple more, at least a couple more forming. And you can get involved if you have students or if you're a student, you can get involved in our student ministries that happen Sunday night or you can get involved in our Restoration Kids. Each of these places is trying to be an environment where you can come and see Jesus and your picture can be expanded. It can start to be kaleidoscopic, if you will. Bigger than life because that's the kind of God I need. I need a God who's bigger than life. I don't need a God that's the same size as me, because I can't make it on my own. As we wrap up, I want you to think about what Jesus says here in this truly, truly, I say to you. It's this Jewish way of saying, like, I have an important thing. Please listen. You all, he goes beyond just the singular you in the original language you all will see greater things than this you will see angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man anybody know where you've ever heard that before where you've seen angels and G- angels ascending and descending it's also one that has some deceit jacob these are all allusions to jacob what happened? Who's Jacob? Jacob is the twin who comes out clutching his brother's heel. Jacob comes out of the life kind of grasping for everything he needs. Jacob is the one who deceives his brother into giving away the birthright. Jacob is the one who actually deceives his father and steals the blessing from his brother. Jacob is the one who runs away because his brother's going to kill him. Jacob is the one who gets tricked, you know, but we'll leave that out. Jacob is the one who wrestles with God and doesn't die whose name is changed, to Israel, one who overcomes, who struggles and strives with God, but has not been overcome. That Jacob is the one in Genesis 28 where he says, whoa, I had this dream where angels were ascending and descending on the Son of God from the throne of heaven down to earth, and, and surely God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. How awesome is that? And what does he say? He says, this is the house of God. If you remember your language, this is Bethel. Bethel, house of God. This is the house of God. This is where God dwells. I didn't even know it. Do you get what he's saying here? Friends, Jesus is saying, I'm Bethel. I'm the house of God. Andrew, you want to know where I stay? Sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's just... It's so powerful if we start to understand what Jesus really wants us to see. I'm Bethel. You want to know where I stay? You want to know where I hang my head? It's in the house of God. When I worry about something, I don't have to worry because I'm in the house of God. When I go across from Judea, when I go across the sea to Galilee, when you go from your house to work, guess what? The house of God is with you. Bethel is with you because Jesus is Bethel. Jesus is our house. He stays with you if you ask the Spirit into your life because of what Jesus has done. Friends, this will radically transform your life. You don't have to live by your own power because you have the house of God in your power. That's an amen. Now, Jesus wants to completely expand your picture of him. What are the preconceptions that you need to give to him? What are the questions that you need answered? What are the greater things that you just need to throw out there to him? Don't leave today until you do it. And I encourage you to join a group, to get involved, and to investigate Jesus, to ask in your time this week with God. How are you like the teacher who has some knowledge but has to dig, continue to dig further? And how are you like the student, the one who is seeking? And how are you like the skeptic, one who needs compelling evidence? And I believe the Spirit of God will talk to you and transform you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these passages of scripture, these encounters that your people of all different walks of life, all different kinds of people, all different attitudes, all the preconceptions that you engaged with them, that you didn't have any any kind of bitterness or any kind of um, outrage, that you didn't have any kind of attitude with each of them. You just personally engaged with them. You met them where they were at. And you gave them grace and you gave them truth. You showed them respect by meeting them where they were. And I pray that everyone here would know that you see them and you show them respect. You'll meet them where they're at. And you'll come humbly, but you will come as the house of God. And I pray for those that need that huge picture of Jesus today. That the house of God would be big enough to fill their life and fill their problems and fill their worries and fill their their hardships to live as ones like Jesus. Hear our prayers, oh God. Amen.